Welcome to The Rural Rockstar, a podcast dedicated to empowering rural women with the tools and inspiration to transform their lives and businesses from the inside out. I share my journey of Survive to Thrive in life and business, and I show what it takes to be an entrepreneur. I also interview other rockstar women from around the world to inspire you to do it too. My mission is to empower the next generation of rural changemakers to show up and be the leaders we need. I'm Katrina, your rockstar host. Let's rock. Hello and welcome back to the Rural Rockstar. I'm Katrina Myers, your host, and today I'm joined by Tanya Keto. Hello, Tanya. Hey, Katrina. How are you going? Oh, so well. So lovely to have you here. Tanya is coming or joining us all the way from her farm in WA, kind of recently remote. We've just been chatting about 100 kilometres from her kind of closest centre and so not super remote but pretty remote for most of us, I would say. Um, So it's lovely to have Tanya on today. I'm so looking forward to diving into her story and hearing all about the creation of, some of you probably know Tanya already from My Provincial Kitchen and all of her amazing products and her beautiful Instagram feed full of really helpful sort of gluten-free really cooking advice and products and all sorts of wonderful things and so today we're going to hear all about the creation of my my provincial kitchen and her business and their lupins business and I'm I'm looking forward to hearing all about it too because we were just talking about chatting off before we came on that it's all vertically integrated which I just love and I think there's so much inspiration and so much kind of that we can all learn as farmers and as to how to value add more to our businesses and do all sorts of cool things like what you're doing. So I'm so excited to delve into that. Tanya also has four children, the same as me, uh, who are all much much older than mine now. And one's just about her last, her fourth one is just about to finish school. So how exciting to have this, you know, next chapter of your life to have amazing what can happen then. I can't even imagine that <laughs> at this point, but that will be very exciting, I'm sure. And Yes, yeah, so Tanya, we always start with how did you get to where you are now and how did you come to be living 100 k's from the closest town <laughs> where you are on your farm and, and tell us the story. Oh, it's awesome to be here, Katrina. Thank you so much for the invitation. Like, it's such an honour. Um, I grew up in Geraldton, which is our closest town, um, and my dad used to work for a, um, a trucking company and so he would at harvest time, go out to the farms and collect the grain and take it back to Geraldton. And they were the days where kids could very easily go in the truck with with Dad and wouldn't be a problem. So, um, yeah, I spent a lot of time on weekends and um, with Dad coming out to farms and absolutely loved the space and the spaciousness and the open, wide open, you know, just wide open spaces. And what I felt at that time of just like it was comfortable and it was home. So at the age of 16, I actually declared that I was going to marry a farmer. Um, Left high school and got a job in a farm machinery dealership, found a farmer (laughs) and moved out to the farm. (laughs) Love it. Love it. So, so yeah, you know, um, moved out, we got married, we started having kids, and you know, it's just been um, a roller coaster ride ever since. <laughs> I love that the determination of just like this is what I'm doing, and then it happened. You made it happen. You manifested it. I love it. Fantastic. Totally. 
So tell us about the farm then and then how you got to creating this, you know, you've, you've value added to the to the farm business and to the Lupin's product and you've also got this My Provincial Kitchen brand and products. And so how did all of that come about then? Um, so, like, we have uh, currently uh, 11,000 hectares that we farm. So we've uh, recently, in the last few years, um, expanded to, to that 11,000 hectares. Uh, Robert's been here uh, on the farm for, oh, he's been farming since he was 15. Mm-hmm. Um, his family bought uh, our original farm in mid-late late 70s, I think it was, and have sort of expanded from there. Um, and, yeah, Robert and his dad have both been very passionate about doing something with lupins because they've known that it's some of the best stock feed that you can have. Um, You know, feeding the best way of getting animals ready for market uh, to be feeding them on lupin stubble or lupins. So they're high in protein, high in fibre, jam-packed full of nutrition. And they were trying to work out how how to do something more with them. Because if they're that good for animals, what are they for us as humans? You know, and we 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 should be benefiting from them. So there's been lots of different avenues of looking about where to go and, and what to do. Um, and long story short, uh, we've had um, up until the recent cyclone, we've had ten thousand ton of storage on farm where we stored all of our lupins uh, and then sold throughout the year. And majority of that's been for stock feed. Uh, but then it's like, well, how? what's that next step? How do we actually take that next step of getting it into the human market, human consumption market? Because there's, there's a couple of areas or a couple of things that we want to do with lupins in the fact of creating the value in dollar value of lupins for farmers. So farmers in marginal areas can actually afford to grow lupins because they're so good for regenerative um, agriculture mm-hmm. with the taproot and putting nutrition back into the back into the soil. But they're not a stable price. So, mm-hmm. you know, they fluctuate one year they're high, next year they're low in, in return back to farmers. So farmers in marginal areas can't, necessarily afford to grow them so we want to be able to get lupins to a price where farmers can afford to grow them every year because they're really good for the soil and then we've got this area of well how do we get them into human consumption because they are so jam-packed full of nutrition Um, and there's been other companies who have made flour out of lupins and they've not really been successful, not the success that we know is available. So we looked at that. um, We've been part of uh, a couple of those businesses and we've gone, okay, that's not worked. So what do we do that will work? People are time poor. People want things to be easy. um, And people are looking for nutritious food. They're looking to know where their food's coming from. So let's create a range of packet cakes essentially to make it really easy for people to be able to consume lupins and then it's that next step of well what market does it fit into 
and it fits so well into a gluten-free market because it has that nutrition because so much gluten-free food has um, high contents of highly processed white um, flours as well as white sugar. So we're quite selective with the ingredients that we include in our mixes to be able to make them as nutritious as possible. So that's that. <laughs> How amazing. And so was all kind of your ideas come with that? It's, it's just so lovely that you've kind of had this synergy of like wanting to support farmers more and like make because you know how great lupins are and then it's sort of like well how do we make this we can see this kind of opportunity in the human market and so was that a lot of your ideas or did you like how did you come up with all these ideas to do this stuff was it your brain work or a team effort or (laughs) oh totally a team effort okay um Robert looked at exporting lupins he's he did a lot of overseas travel um and um creating seeing where lupins would go seeing how far they could be pushed and seeing what could be created with them and a lot of that was done in china and in malaysia uh singapore um because people uh over there they understand beans mm-hmm. you know being lupin being a legume they they understand how to deal with that as an ingredient yeah so Uh, Yeah, so he did a lot of exploring and experimenting and, and, okay, where can we go? What can we do? We had a bad year on the farm and we sort of had to cull all of that, cut it all back, bring everything back to Australia. And then we're we're talking about it and we're going, where do we go? What do we do? Um, And My Provincial Kitchen was born from that. So it was a combination because we'd done... um, created recipes we'd had people working on uh doing um you know creating recipes with lupin flour uh and we wanted to go further with that we sort of saw that um um we saw that in australia a packet cake type market was really the market so it really Everything that Robert and I do, everything that's my provincial kitchen is mainly led by me, but Robert's very much there all the way. Um, You know, but he sort of goes, okay, I want to do this. And so we go and look into that. (laughs) And then he goes, I want to do this. So we go and look into that. So, yeah, you know, like he's got a lot of thoughts, a lot of ideas, a lot of um, ambition, a lot of drive. And then, you know, we sort of go, no, we can't fit that in. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you have to reel him in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got to go down this line instead. So, you know, he's he's got all these wonderful ideas and then we sort of like bring it back to what we can actually achieve ourselves financially as well as, you know, physically, mentally, the people in the business because essentially the farm is number one mm-hmm. and the farmer's always got to come first mm-hmm. in if we don't have the farm growing the lupins, then we don't have the retail business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I guess, you know, the other part of it is, as you said earlier on, is being fully integrated. So we grow the lupins um, and when we rebuild our silos, we will store the lupins, then mill the lupins into flour, and then we send that away to be blended with other ingredients to come back um, as our packet mixes. So. So, yeah, growing, storing, milling, 
and then um, creating these mixes and, and selling those. And so the pack, the, the mixer bits is made off farm and then it comes back to you guys and do you distribute it from, from the farm or where does yep. it get distributed from? Oh, yeah, so it all on, online? Um, mostly online, but we do have a few stores. Uh, our best stores are small regional stores. Yes. Um, and WA is a really good support for us because WA grows the most, like WA grows 80% of the world's lupins. Huh. Well, there you go. <laughs> so, I know that. Yeah. So, you know, they're, um, it's perfect climate, perfect soil, perfect everything to grow lupins in WA. So, um, People in WA understand lupins and they mm-hmm. understand, you know, the, the both elements of it as being the food but also being um, regenerative farming situation. So, and so do you, so you practice regenerative farming as well? It's a hard word to say, isn't it? It is a hard <laughs> word to say. Um, so we are, um, we're exploring that. Like okay. what does that actually mean? What mm-hmm. is it, you know, like... Um, for our farm because we farm on essentially beach sand mm-hmm. um you know it's there's we've got a little bit of um yellow sand underneath but majority of it you know we have to feed our crops a lot mm-hmm. uh and yeah it, it's we have a lot of um a lot of work to be able to actually keep the soil stable yes and you know so yeah we are actually looking into documenting I guess what it is that we do and sort of going okay so yes that's considered regenerative so we can put that into the Mm. document of of this is what we do um that's not okay so how do we improve that how do we do things better yeah I mean that's what it's all about isn't it like I I mean then and that's kind of what farmers are doing all the time anyway isn't it I mean (laughs) that's just farming really full stop is okay how do we do this better (laughs) most farmers I think but well, yeah. yeah, exactly. Because if we don't have our farms, we don't have our livelihood. So we love our farms. We love mm. the land. We don't deliberately do bad things no. to the land or the um, animals or whatever, you know. And it's all education. It's all about learning how we can do things better, how we can improve things, yes. how we are affecting the environment, how, you know, and it's, it's a constant learning game, like life <laughs> in general. Absolutely. And then it's the balance as well, because you can't just go and do something and then go broke. And then it's, you, you can't, you're yeah. not going to be no good for the farm either. So it's all that constant balance and reassessing and learning and growing and it trying is. new things, like you say. And I think that's yep. all part of it. So, yeah. Um, it's funny you're saying about your husband and you, uh, we're the opposite. So I'm like always got, well, let's go and do this. I've got all these ideas. And Tim's like, okay, let's just reel that back in a bit and have a think. <laughs> Now that's actually going to work practically but it's a nice duo to have that I think it works well when you've got that combination because you can sort of level each other out a bit and be like all right well that's not actually going to work so do you find that that works quite well for the two of you as well definitely yeah. um, because I think uh you know I think there needs to be that combination to be able to really achieve wonderful things yes to um to be able to do big things I think you can't do it alone Yes. You know, you always need a team of some sort. And whether that be your partner or whether that be support through the business, then, you know, whatever way it is, I think it's great to have somebody to, I don't know, shed light on 
other parts that you don't look at or, you know, to be able to, and, you know, like I trust that Robert's always going to go, okay, let's look at this. And I'll go, oh, God, oh, okay, <laughs> let's look at that. You know, it gets me out of my, I guess, rut or gets me out of my my tunnel vision sort of thing and yeah. brings me back to sort of expanded thought and, oh, okay, no, that sounds really cool. How can, and then, you know, together we work as to what's what's going to be the best way forward. Yeah, so mm. good. Yeah. And so so how so where's the most of the distribution going? Like online and how are you talk to us about how you're growing that brand, like how you created the brand and the and the story behind that as well. Like is that all a very important part of it? The story, have you found that that's, you know, growing the social media and building that story and that brand has been really important? It's huge. Yeah. Um it's it's so my provincial kitchen, like there's there's meaning behind everything within our business. You know, mm-hmm. the the brand, the name of my provincial kitchen has got a meaning behind that. Um there is, you know, um I was I was so blessed as a kid to be brought up in a house that we did a lot of cooking mm-hmm. and food is extremely important. And, you know, I've brought that through with my kids as well, being that food is, is, is so important. It's everything. Um, and there is a big difference between making something and making something, you know, like when you add that little bit of love into your food, it tastes so different. And there's so many people that have not had that blessing, you know, that privilege, I guess, of, of being taught how to cook. You know, spending hours as a six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old on the other side of the bench watching their grandmother make the scones, you know, and it's all in the it's all in the love that she puts in it that makes them so good. So we want to share that with the world. We want to share and help people be able to create food without having to learn all the basics mm-hmm. we want people to be able to buy a packet mix or buy it you know where they know that they can trust what's in it where it's come from the people who have made it and bring their kids into the kitchen and teach their kids how to cook cook and teach their kids how important it is to put a bit of love in it and you can't muck it up you know like you just always add a bit of ice cream and it always tastes good <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's just it's um there's there's so much in cooking that you can that you can teach your kids and our kids I did a little bit of homeschooling right at the very beginning of their their schooling years uh, and everything was in the kitchen you know mm. counting and and measuring cups and you know reading the words in the recipe and there's so much that can be learnt from cooking in the kitchen such a simple act. So we really want people to be able to feel like they can create something mm. and they can be a success at creating it, even though it's from a packet. It mm. doesn't actually matter that it's from a packet because all the ingredients that are in the packet are the equivalent of what your grandma would have had in her pantry anyway. Mm-hmm. So a packet mix is not a bad thing if you know what's in it and if you know, understand and if there's nutrition in it. So the other element to that, I guess, is the fact of focusing on the gluten-free market. So mm. 
nearly six years ago, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And I've discovered that eating gluten-free and dairy-free is really, really beneficial to my health. And finding good quality gluten-free, dairy-free products on the market is really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, That tastes really yummy. (laughs) (laughs) And that work out, you know, and that are also cooked because there's a lot of raw stuff that you can get. But having Crohn's, I can't eat a lot of raw food. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's about cooked food. It's about as much nutrition as possible because Crohn's as well as celiac disease, you generally um, struggle to absorb the nutrition. So it's nutrient-dense, gluten-free, dairy-free, and all of this, having Crohn's and having those dietary requirements helps me to understand somebody with celiac disease better helps me to understand their experience in life and the struggles that they have. So being able to experience that makes it more um, believable, understandable and relatable through social media and through, you know, the brand, just, just creating that whole persona of understanding, yep, we understand you, we, we've got you. How amazing for people who, and, you know, to have that, and that's such a beautiful part of the story, isn't it? And this is what we all kind of love is that connection to the story and the why and, you know, how people have created it and why they have is so, so important and so beautiful. And that's the beauty of, it's the beautiful side of social media, I think, is and it's this ability to, to connect and share that story. Yeah, And yeah. you do it so, so beautifully on, on your page. It's so lovely <laughs> seeing all those recipes and what, I just love it. It's such a cool idea. And to hear that story is just, I think, so inspiring for people too. It's like there's so many, because I think we can get, well, you can, can get a bit limited sometimes in, in thinking what's possible. And this is a way that you found to like really create something so special out of, you know, a product that you love and it's the business that you love. And so how is how long how long ago did you create it, the 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 brand? Um, I think we've been um live essentially for about three years. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And yeah. so, and is it, is it, is it, it's growing and it's building and like, is there more products to come or what's the there next? There is. Ooh, okay. <laughs> um, yes. So, since the cyclone, I've been very, very quiet on social media because it's been hard. It's been really hard with um, following up, repairs, cleaning up, all of that sort of thing. Then we got straight into seeding and I think also, you know, as much as we aren't affected by COVID, we also, there's just that whole mental load of COVID as well. And I've I've um, deliberately sort of removed myself from social media a bit because I've needed to look after myself. Mm. Um, and, yeah, so we're, we're doing a lot of stuff behind, behind the scenes. Um, we've got a new graphic designer that we're bringing on and we are working towards having pre-printed packaging. So at the moment, it's all been very manual of date stamping every pack, putting two stickers on every pack and then packing it. So we're sort of working towards changing that up. And we have three new products that are developed and hopefully we'll be releasing them about March next year. So it seems a long way away, but there's a lot of stuff to go to happen between now and between now and then to be able to get 
the packaging done, um, you know, sourcing the that printed to printing to happen to just yeah, so much that goes in behind it. So you know, and we've got harvest coming up, so we need to make room for everything else as well. And and that's I think the thing with um, my provincial kitchen is it has to slot in through the farm with what's happening with the farm because that's number one. If we don't have you know the lupins, then we don't have a retail business. So um, yeah, so it's I absolutely love doing this because I love um, the the possibility of inspiration for rural women. I'm you know like you wanting to inspire rural rural women to to look outside of that box to actually see the value in themselves and the worth that they carry within the business within the home. You know being the person that they are in the home is so important. Um, and I see the woman in a farming family as being the glue that holds everything together. You know, mm-hmm. if, if she's not there doing what she's doing, whatever that is, whether that be being mum, cooking meals for the staff, you know, the washing, all of that, or whether it be that she's heavy into the physical outside farming or the bookwork, or running her own business on the side, mm. you know, it, she is such a vital part. Um, and yeah, you know, like I, I love the ability of being able to inspire other rural women to look outside of that box to sort of see what it is that they can possibly do. Oh, I love that so much. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because on the one hand. We want women to be like going and creating all these things. And I do, I'm so passionate about that and, you know, creating businesses and, and what's possible. But I think we've almost gone, we've sort of, un, we undervalue that, exactly what you're saying, this, this woman's, the, the, the mothering and the cleaning and the holding everything together. We've almost undervalued that a bit in this sort of quest to become these amazing things. And I think we need both, you know. It's like, as yeah. you said, whatever you're doing is so valuable and, you know, a lot of the times the farm wouldn't run, well, it wouldn't run. The, the husband couldn't go and do everything he does if you're not holding the whole home fort together. And I see a lot of women really undervaluing that in themselves. So I think that's so beautiful what you said because it, and it's all about, you know, you valuing yourself too, isn't it? Like yeah. you've got to get to a place where you really value the work that you do and then being able to choose because if you're not enjoying what you're doing, then you want the ability to be able to choose to do something else and, and to, to maybe create something else and see what's possible. And I think what you've shown in creating this is that, and, and what I love is, is it is an example of, you know, if you want to try something new or do something else, that there is that possibility of what's possible and you can try something, you know, and it's... yeah. And do you find that, do you really love that work? And, and I know also fantastic that you had that boundary setting after since the cyclone and you've stepped away a bit because <laughs> I think that is so good for your mental health and so important. But do you really enjoy and get a real kick out of growing the brand and the social media and all that? Is that something that you really love? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in a, like, oh, in a really big way. Oh, I, I, love, love I love that connection. I love, yes. I love business in general, just business. I love the whole idea of you know growing something and doing something and and being something but and I was chatting with a consultant the other day and I said I actually I love washing ironing cooking doing my dishes sitting down having a meal like that fills me up completely but have running businesses on top of that is just like you know the icing on top of the cake and it's so much fun yeah so um yeah, you know, like I, I, I love being able to 
share my limited knowledge of cooking, of, you know, food, of um, nutrition and all of that sort of thing. Uh, And I'm looking forward to expanding and growing that because, you know, when you put yourself out there and you've got to go, oh, oops, okay, I've got to be able to back that up. So then you go, send you on a bit of a tangent of going and learning something more and growing and expanding yourself a bit more. So, you know, I love all of that. Oh, I love that too. And isn't it cool that you've got this, you know, you're, it's something that you love already that you're doing every day that you enjoy and brings you joy and then you're actually able to share that with the world and expand and, and you know, grow your product and your line and sell that product. It's just beautiful, really. And that's such, I think, where a lot of the joy is in life when you can create a business and a life that you love and they, and they can come together as one. It's just, you know, it's so good for our well-being, isn't it, I think. So yeah. I, I did want to ask you about that actually. Um your well-being do you have any like I often last like to ask the guests too I forgot to tell you that I was going to ask you this question so if you (laughs) you can say pass if you like but um I usually like to speak to people and say you know do you have any well-being practices it's totally fine if you don't but like I love to to hear and learn that you know what people are doing if they're consciously you know looking because obviously you have a lot of joy in what you're doing and I think that is that to me represents having good well-being as well when you're able to be grateful for the small things in life I think that shows a level of yes yeah, self-love and self-appreciation and stuff like that as well so tell us Tanya is there anything else that you do actively very much so. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. <laughs> Excellent because I think that's part of it, isn't it? You can't it, is. Have that. it is, totally. And it's been a massive journey from and essentially having been diagnosed with Crohn's disease has been my switch that's flipped. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that whole journey of um, self-appreciation and seeing the worth and value that I have. But um, so my, I guess, self-care practices, um, I like to say they're not rigid because I, I just I don't conform and I don't like conforming. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So they literally are washing the dishes and looking outside and taking a breath and going, oh, wow, look, there's a bird out there, you know, and and listening to the birds, being with the trees, like being outside in nature with trees is huge for me. Mm. So um, I do meditate, not regularly, but I definitely do meditate. I use essential oils a lot. But it literally is about at any moment in any day stopping. Stop, take a breath, reset. Oh, okay, right, that's where I need to go. That's what I'm going to do. And it doesn't, to me, it doesn't have to be something um, as well as. So it's not like I don't have to add anything else into my life because my life is very busy. Mm. It's a matter of, okay, this is what I do. So just stop for a second. Just admire the bubbles in the sink. Just, you know, see the butterfly that's, that's just gone past. Look at the chooks. Like I go and I spend time with my chooks and I talk to my chooks, you know, <laughs> collect the eggs. And it's all of those little things that, but essentially it is just about at any moment in any day, stop, breathe, reset, and on your path again. So it may be 30 seconds, it may be 30 minutes. You know, if I need to, I will go and sit for 30 minutes and have a drink or just go and wander in the trees and just you know hand on a trunk and just breathe Mm. 
so yeah it's it's nothing you know like groundbreaking <laughs> it's very simple but that's to me that's what life needs to be it's very simple and it's not about adding more it's about um I guess essentially switching up what it is that you're actually doing in every moment and going oh okay no I can look at it this way mm-hmm. breathing resetting oh okay cool yep path is clear off we go <laughs> So powerful and it's bringing you into the present moment and it's just acknowledging and being, it's almost like that gratitude for where you are right now as well, which yep. is so, so powerful. And I think I think when we can get to a place where we can fully enjoy being in the present and enjoy things like washing the dishes and hanging out the clothes and we we don't have any of that resentment or any of that sort of stuff, like that's that to me is just awesome. Like if you can just enjoy the everyday, nailing it. <laughs> Well, exactly. And, you know, like talking about resentment, like I've not washed my kids' clothes since they were 12 years old. Like they wash their own clothes. They awesome. have cleaned up in the kitchen. It's, you know, so it's um, taking the martyrdom off of being a mother. Yes. And teaching our children how to live, mm. you know, giving them the skills, the basic life skills to be able to look after themselves. So, you know, I do every now and then wash my kids' clothes because I know that they're busy or whatever and if they're home, it's like just put your washing out and I'll do it. And there's absolutely, you know, no resentment in anything because it's like, well, it's my choice to Mm. do that. And if I don't want to do that, it's my choice to not speak up about it. So I've got nobody to blame other than myself. Mm -hmm. So, but, yeah. and. That's been a very big journey. Yeah. Yes, and it's a very <laughs> powerful place to get to and often that is the work to get to that place where we can, you know, not feel resentful and we can ask what we need and we can delegate and all that stuff and that's the work. But the beauty of it is, and it's what I see in you, is that, yes, then it allows you to enjoy the everyday plus you can create wonderful things yeah. like MPK and, these, you know, and work on that because you've got the creative headspace and you've got the ability to be present plus create. And I think that's, you know, it's very powerful and often underestimated. Yeah. And also knowing that the other people in the family will actually survive without me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the fact that, you know, they know how to do all of the things that they need to do mm. to be able to survive. So if I need to have a day where I need to focus on something, it's like, well, you know how to make lunch and it's allocated that that child will make dinner that night and, you know, all of that sort of thing. So, yeah, no, totally, 100%. And I think that comes back to having your sense of self-worth from yourself rather than needing to get it from that position that you hold in the family as such. And Because I think yeah. that can happen a lot is that you, and you've really got to dig into that where's your self-worth coming from because if it's from doing all the things, then it can be conflicting because you're not really aligned with what you actually really want. You're just doing it because you think you should, you know, it's the shoulds that get in the way. So, yeah, so, yeah. so valuable to get to that place for you, I think. And and look what you're creating and I love it. And I know that you have to go to another meeting, so we better let you go because you and I could talk all day. And I often say that to my guests, but it's so lovely and I've just enjoyed our chat so much and I think it definitely will be inspirational for other women out there to so much in what you've said about creating things and just getting getting yourself to that place as well and, and understanding how to be present yeah, and yeah. enjoy life and create 
amazing things like MPK. And we look forward to the watching the journey of where, where to next. <laughs> and people can follow you on Instagram and, yes, and buy the products online. Yes. Yep. So myprovincialkitchen.com.au. Yep. But essentially everything, Instagram, Facebook, you can find everything that you need there. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Tanya. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so grateful for your time and thanks for listening. See you guys. Mm -hmm. Bye, Tanya. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Rural Rockstar podcast today. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you want more from me, please head over to my Instagram, Katrina underscore Myers underscore, or you can check out my website at katrinamyers.com.au. I'm also super excited to let you know that I have a course launching this week called Activate. It is all the things in a program that I wish that I had had when I was starting and growing my business. It is money mindset work, it's entrepreneurial power, personal power, everything you need to get started and grow your online business and your personal power. There's an early bird price of $888. If you DM me, I can send you the link. I would so love to have you on this in this program. There is nothing more that I love than helping women grow their mindset and their business to live the life of their dreams. See ya.